From the offices of Melman, Castanetti, Rosen, and Thomas, just footsteps from the White House, the heart of the nation's capital. This is 14th NG, the podcast sitting at the intersection of business and policy. Here's your host, C.R. Wooters. Welcome to 14th NG, podcast sitting at the intersection of business and policy. Uh, this week, we're actually going to take that pretty literally. I want to introduce you to my friend, Pia Carason. She's currently the owner of Republic Restoratives, which is a distillery in Ivy City, Washington, D.C. But why I thought her story was interesting is um, she's worked on political campaigns. She was the chief of staff to a couple different members of Congress. She ran an outside influence group, and now she runs a bar. Or as she will tell you later, it's not a bar, it's a distillery. I want to also uh, let you know that, you know, kind of the beginning of this conversation, we jump right in. We're old friends. I haven't seen her in a little while, but we jump right into her time as Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, uh, chief of staff. As most folks know, Congresswoman Giffords was uh, shot in a parking lot um, during a post-campaign event in January of 2011. Um, So we start off talking about that, and then we work our way pretty quickly through the rest of her career and figure out. How does one go from doing politics to running a distillery? Uh, it's always fun to talk to Pia. All right, Pia. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to 14th and G. Thanks. All right, so this podcast is normally about, you know, the business of uh, politics, the intersection of policy and, uh, and politics in Washington. And you have a really unique little run here. In disclosure, we've been pals for a while. We worked together a long time ago, um, but you've um, uh, you've worked on the Hill, you've worked in politics, you've worked on um, issue campaigns, um, and now you're running a business. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to get into all that, uh, if that's okay with you. Please. Um, but I want to first start with probably the news part, right? Like the yeah. the part that I frankly haven't talked about in a long time. So take me to January eighth, twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Where were you? I was uh, in my house. Um, I had had too many drinks the night before. <laughs> I was looking for a bottle of Advil. Um, and uh, my phone rang from my staff in Tucson telling me that, well, first they told me that there was a shooting and, and there was a lot of people had been shot. But no, that was it. And then kind of hung up hurriedly. And then called me back to tell me that Gabby had been shot, but never told me where. And again, hung up and whatnot. And then eventually figured out she'd been shot in the head. Um, And that sort of set off a cascading series of events that, you know, the world knows about. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because I was thinking about when you were coming in here, I was thinking about where was I. You know, um, we were working together and uh, our uh, our pal Jim Papa and I were at a Georgetown basketball game. Mm -hmm. And both of our cell phones rang at the same time from you, which I'm not totally sure exactly how, how you could call works. both of us, yeah. but it was you or your staff or yeah. whoever else, you know, explaining the thing. Jim at the time was working in the White House. I was working in the House, and we both rushed back to our offices to try to figure out how we could be helpful. And I've been thinking about it a lot since I knew I was going to talk to you. I think the um, we've gone through this with Scalise. We've gone through this with far too many other people outside of politics. But I just wondered if it's all right with you, can we just mm-hmm. talk through like the next few days, the next few weeks, like kind of like what happened? How did your office run? Like, um, cause I remember I was sitting in your office for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. and this is one of those weird times where 
time kind of stopped on the hill for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But the business of the world kept rolling. Mm -hmm. um, And we kind of didn't really understand why it was. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, So a a couple things that that jumped to mind. One is you lost, uh, in addition to Gabby, you lost a staff member and friend. Mm -hmm. Um, So your staff had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you decided to open your office. Like soon thereafter, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, after processing the, like, urgent, immediate problems of, obviously, Gabe Zimmerman passed away, you know, Gabby was fighting for her life, and Ron Barber had been critically injured, um, you know, sort of 36 hours after that, realizing that Gabby was probably going to live and would have, you know, what's turned out to be a lifetime of recovery ahead of her. The next sort of step was, well, what do we do now? She right. had just come through an incredibly difficult reelection. You know, if you know or, or know of Gabby, you know that she's so committed to service and to doing the right thing. And so for us, we still had a congressional office. Um, and the office at least was representing, and Gabby was representing, you know, 700,000 Arizonans. So people's casework issues were still happening, and we felt like, the thing to do was just to sort of go back to work. Obviously, it wasn't anything like it was on January 7th, but, you know, we figured if she were there in our, in our staff meeting, she would encourage us to, the best we can, keep the work going. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Um, and, yeah, like you said, with the help of, of you and others that were close enough to the office and, and you know, knew the inner workings of the Hill enough to move things forward frankly without me I, I don't think i came back to dc until mid or late february yeah i think that's probably right um yeah i basically worked out of your office yeah. and so was um uh, shelly stone was working out of your office from the white house and others um and actually you know i have this distinct memory of a few of your republican colleagues from arizona the members themselves came over and said hi i'm giving you two of my staffers to do whatever you want and i remember thinking like wow, that's incredibly nice and also like incredibly human and regular and normal. Yeah. I suspect the folks who dealt with Scalise stuff, I suspect it's the same. I don't know that this is a partisan thing, but it really did jump out to me that like people whom three weeks ago, I mean, you, you, this happens in January, the election's in November. So right. three months ago, three months ago yeah. we're battling to the death. Yeah. When the world changes a little bit like that, we're really willing to help. Um, totally. And I think that's an element of the Hill that it, it, people don't really understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say it's it's what it should be or what it was, but there still is a level of humanity on the Hill where we're friends and we're colleagues. And we may feel differently about issues, but at the end of the day, like, we both, we all do the same thing. We show mm-hmm. up in those hallways. We, you know, we live a very similar life. And especially someone like Gabby, who... Uh, had had great relationships across the aisle. I mean, um, you know, I think Jeff Flake was at the hospital within like 90 minutes of the shooting happening, mm-hmm. just standing around, yeah. offering to help. Um, so people like like Jeff and others that were great allies from the other side for us throughout the shooting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a part of I think who she is, but also who our who our team is in the in the sense of so many of the issues that Gabby struggled with. Uh, in southern Arizona were bipartisan issues. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Immigration and others. So she was very accustomed to, you know, treating, uh, you know, our work as though it was uh, really not um, not important what side of the aisle people came down on. Yeah. Just getting the work done and, and accomplishing something. It was, um, you know, for me and probably for you because we're contemporaries, you know, she, uh, Gabby's a person who's around our age, right? She's not that, you know, sometimes you think about people on the Hill are 5,000 years old. She's around our age, right? Like she was a relatively newly married, right? Like, you know, she's um, someone that I I felt like I was friends with. It's probably not true because you probably can't be. (laughs) No, but you probably can't be friends with 
when you're staff and there's a member, there's a difference there. Yeah. But like, it wasn't a hundred miles. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about that? Because you're dealing with like, you have to put all this stuff together with someone who's a relatively young, big, bright future. Yeah. Uh, did, you know, I don't know why I'm thinking about that now, but I was certainly thinking about that leading up to this and thinking yeah. like, part of it is we all went back to work because that's the only thing we know what to do. Yeah. But um, there was also a difference that she was a young, vibrant star. Totally. Um, rather than something else. I don't know what there that was. You know. There was some element to that. And I think it was her, yeah, her youth, her newness on the hill, her approach to her work that mm-hmm. was unique. And um, I think there was, that that made it, it compounded the, the crisis in some way. Sure. Or the, or the impact that, that we felt. And yeah, I mean, her life was ahead of her. I mean, literally they were, you know, this is written about in their book, they were in the process of having a child Yeah. when, when this happened. So her future was ahead of her saying nothing of her political future, which she refused to sort of let us discuss. <laughs> discuss as many she times really as we did. asked her about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. really, really did. And then, of course, uh. Senator Kyle uh, retired, you know, something like two weeks after the shooting, uh, who's now now a senator yeah. again. But, yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty wild. Um, okay, so let's back up a little bit. I wanted to just touch on that because I think that that is a – it's a moment in time probably you and I have, other yeah. people have, and um, at us certainly it's, it's, a, it's a moment that we will probably never forget. But yeah. let's back up. Where'd you grow up, and then how'd you get into politics? Yeah. Grew up in upstate New York, a little town called Saratoga Springs, north of Albany, about a half an hour. Um, basically the only Democrat of a 35-member <laughs> family. They're still, waiting to, they're still waiting to bring you back? Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Although I think now maybe that's changed. They've realized it's not happening. It's but. a cause that's gone too far at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then, you know, we got to know each other when you first came to the Hill. Yeah. Um, so you were a chief of staff for two members of Congress. And then so I'm going to I'm fast forwarding through yeah. a, a very long and prestigious career, obviously. Oh. Talk to me about the 2010 race. Talk yeah. to me about the 2010 lead up to the race. Um, I remember a few things like uh, I remember. Uh, and the reason I ask is because I think we're in a similar time now. Right. Mm-hmm. It felt like. It felt like tensions were really high. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys had actually had the incident with the gun in the um, shopping mall or mm-hmm. the store. Yeah, the, yeah. shopping store. Uh, um, but, but we were on the wave of losing everything, right? Uh, we Democrats were on the wave of losing everything. It was a big wave election. And um, talk about that, because I think that there's probably a lot of races that would, yeah. sitting there right now, feel the same Thinking way. Thinking about yeah. it, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, the 2010 election was the culminating event after uh, the rise of the Tea Party and after healthcare, you know, f- had its first modern pass of debate on the Hill, not to mention climate change and all sorts of issues. So it was a, um, you know, a very big election. And in Arizona, it, it, we, it felt like we were at the epicenter of the Tea Party rise. And maybe we were. I mean, there's some it's you know, the beginning of Joe Arpaio, yes, right? Yes, Joe Arpaio and, and, and SB 1070, which was, yeah. you know, Arizona law, but, but had national recognition. Um, so really tough election. Gabby, you know, m- you know, moderate Democrat representing a swing district, um, really, uh, you know, just re- we had to fight it out. And yeah, like you mentioned, we had this issue with the gun at a supermarket, actually, a uh, different part of the district, not in Tucson, farther down, closer to the border. And then, um, and then you know, our office door was shot out. It was just like the August from hell. I mean, yeah. you know, we were doing healthcare town hall after healthcare town hall. And Gabby kind of had this feeling that like, eh, if I lose, I lose. But like, I want to do my very best to hear people out, make sure that they feel like they've got access to me. So 
Um, you know, we pulled it out in the end against a you know candidate that on paper you wouldn't think was great. You know, young guy, not even a college degree, not you know hadn't really done a ton, but uh, but he came close to winning. It was that yeah. bad. And yeah, like you said, a lot of uh, a lot of Democrats lost their election that year. It's uh, interesting. So we're recording this now in the end of September, and I remember feeling because I had a view to more races than just yours. I remember feeling bef- during the summer, hey, this is a bad summer, but like there are good candidates like Gabby yeah. and a whole bunch of others in the Midwest and elsewhere. And then it felt like as September came, the floodgates started, like the boat was leaking enough that like we couldn't duct tape enough of it over. And and seats were starting to fall off really quick. Yeah. Um, it didn't for yours, but it felt like it did for most of your colleagues. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, we I, kept talking about we wish the election were today. Like the longer this election yeah. went, the less of a chance we had of winning. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I just heard from a, a, a guy on the Hill today, um, uh, a Democratic friend of mine on the Hill today, who said, like, we wish the the vote was October 3rd instead of November 3rd yes. because they feel pretty good about you where feel, they are now. Right. But who knows? You never like, know what's going to happen. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, I am going to skip over, since we just talked about it, kind of post- the shooting stuff. You get things rolling. Career-wise, what happens next? Once you once you kind of um, deal with Gabby's situation, you figure out um, she makes a decision that she, she can't be a member of Congress anymore. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about from there. Yeah, so that was a full year later. Yeah. So um, we had a, a full year of kind of the chaos of the aftermath of the shooting. And then she resigned in January 2012. And we, as an office, were then working for the clerk of the house, I believe, or the yeah. whichever. They become they becomes the, 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 the seat for wherever for Arizona in Arizona. Yeah. Right. So we're sort of member of Congress lists, uh, mm-hmm. but still we're able to go to work every day and perform the duties of um, at least the, the district work. Sure. Constituent, constituent stuff. Yep. So that obviously also became a time that my team turned their attention to finding new jobs. So I helped a lot making sure my team was set. And then I, I sort of really did not know what to do. I mean, I mm-hmm. at that point... After uh, a lot of people my age, you know, had just spent a lot of years campaigning and doing, you know, shorter term projects had finally felt like I was somewhere I could stay for a long time. So, you know, I was sort of um, really lost to what what was next. So I took my time. I, you know, I sort of felt like doing a tour in the administration was worth doing and, um, you know, looked around at what made most sense. Obviously, our office did a lot. Um, that, you know, overlapped with the Homeland Security portfolio. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I knew those issues better. Um, And obviously at the time, Secretary Napolitano, History in Arizona. Yeah, former governor. Yeah, former governor had some connections there. So I ended up um, as the Assistant assistant Secretary for Public Affairs at the uh, Department of Homeland Security for about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm glad I did it. It was not something uh, the administration tour was, was, um, you know, I felt like I got it out of me, but it wasn't (laughs) something I was going to do for years. Um, And then, you know, crazily enough, the most impactful day of my year there was the Sandy Hook shooting. Wow. It was like... You were at DHS when that happened? Yeah. Holy mackerel. I was running, you know, public yeah. affairs for DHS the day I didn't of the Sandy realize Hook that. shooting. It Holy was, mackerel. It was a really kind of just like... I mean, not to mention people were turning to me for a reaction just in general. Sure. But like my like job was to run the communications, you know, out yeah. of the government. So anyway, it was just a very weird day obviously i mean you know if you remember the news of the shooting was just a very small subheader mm-hmm. on the news for hours but internally we were hearing that what, it was, what was like actually a happening huge yeah, thing that had just right. happened and, and we knew it hours before and then so boom the news hits that you know and that was just... because they wanted to tell parents and they wanted to make sure what they knew what the deal was and stuff it's yeah, felt like right because exactly. you're dealing with kids for that one right kids yeah. yes um exactly and also because really there weren't a lot of like transferring to the hospital so there was just not a lot of like people 
coming from that site to the hospital where a lot oh, of information starts to flow. It was sort of the, the scene was like locked down. And anyway, that was, um, you know, obviously a chaotic uh, experience, but out of it for Mark and Gabby came um, the impetus to do something about this issue. And the, the, you know, people often think that the reason they're involved is because of what happened to her. Right. And really it's not. I mean, what happened to her resulted in a lot of kind of personal uh, work, right? I mean, you know, Mark retiring from from the Navy and the NASA Corps, um, obviously Gabby retiring from Congress, but there was no time to think about how they were going to be involved in the public conversation. Well, she was learning to walk. use her hands yeah. and walk and yeah. speak and things so, like that. Yeah. It, um, but Sandy Hook really, you know, their their life was had reached a point where they now had a little bit of extra time and obviously were so impacted by it like everyone was. So let's talk about that. So you go from a government um, um, space, right? You have a couple of government jobs, a couple of political jobs. And then Mark and Gabby say we're going to do this other thing, where we're yep. going to go try to move in a social agenda yep. in a different way. How's yep. that work out? What was your What were you doing when that? Yeah. You know, kind of. Um, so you know, the in the immediate aftermath, there was some thought that there would be a quick compromise on something in the immediate aftermath of, of Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the Mansion Toomey stuff Mansion and Toomey, some other exactly. things. Exactly. Yep. So holidays. It's right in the middle of the holidays, but like we come back in January. And the thought was we were going to sort of quickly move on something. That's not what happened. It you know turned into sort of like sausage making at its worst, and you know um, you know issue group after issue group getting involved. Finally, there's a vote set for April, um, and of course it fails. It was like the day or two after the Boston bombing, also, mm-hmm. which was like an interesting dynamic. But uh, but in that period of time, we were setting up what then was called Americans for Responsible Solutions, figuring out where was there room for them. Uh, for them to have an impact mm-hmm. um, and what we found was that there was no one involved that like owned a gun or sure. had, like you know lives uh, not on a coast so um, you know there was sort of a lot of room there and I and we felt like a lot of need for people mm-hmm. like like Mark and Gabby to be involved in the conversation um, so you helped them set that up um, Mansion Toomey uh, historically fizzles a little bit mm-hmm. um, you helped them set that up and uh, what, what else you end up hiring an executive director. You're pulling together like a, you know, a, did you actually serve as the executive director? I did. Director I served as the executive while? director for the first like year and a half, two years. Yeah. yeah. And then so you're hiring a staff. You're building mm-hmm. that whole thing up. Um, probably learning law of, oh, yeah. about things like C threes and C fours and yes. you know, things that nobody knows about. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know what what kind of advocacy you could do. What was your perspective from advocacy from the outside versus from the inside? That's interesting. I mean, I, it seems really hard. I mean, we you know. The uh, you know Obama White House obviously w- was full of friends that we could talk to and call. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine if you don't have those connections how you get this work done. But um, you know we were um, sort of we felt like we knew enough about the issue, but we didn't. We, what we didn't know about were like the historical fights. Sure. You know, and that actually in a lot of ways is important because um, you know the, the 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 issue groups that are involved in this outside advocacy sort of live by the history books of the fights sure and we had really didn't have the knowledge so we sort of came into meetings like a little naive sort of not understanding the dynamic between all these players but um but yeah i mean it's incredibly hard um and i think the groups that do it well figure out how to exert you know public uh pressure in certain places and also have the right connections to you know pick up the phone and 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 figure out information and just get something done right um okay so at some point you move uh you're on the board, I think, right now. Or are you still um, on the board? I'm not on, on the, the board. board. I'm a consultant. Okay, okay, yeah. you're a consultant. You move past uh, the day-to-day operations of that. Yes. 
And you open a bar. <laughs> open a distillery. A distillery. What the My hell? My mom still calls it a brewery. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> what, 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 I mean, in some ways, like, you're living everyone in Washington's <laughs> life. We're like, I hate this. I want to open a bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or a distillery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, how'd that come about? So my childhood friend, Rachel, and I had been talking about this for... Uh, like a decade and it's one of these ideas you probably have them where you're with a friend having a glass of whiskey or whatever and someone's like let's just quit our jobs and travel Mm -hmm. right like or something that's just like you're not going to do that but it's fun to talk about this was that let's you know let's open a distillery and and so you know years of this conversation finally um you know of course something so, some of it was the the shooting in tucson and sort of like the impact on my personal life which i'm is sure like a, right yeah, yeah. like at some point in time you take a deep breath yeah and say like, I what am i doing step back here yeah for sure that makes total sense yeah so I, my version of this by the way is to be the guy who gives out the stand-up paddle boards at the beach that will happen at some point <laughs> exactly. i feel like that guy's life kicks ass <laughs> yeah, exactly so um yeah and so we we you know when i left government i, I kind of had the space to take a couple meetings on the topic go to a conference here and there which i was not gonna be able to do prior and basically once we started looking into it we realized we were living in one of the best cities for this business from a regulatory perspective why is that um your local government says if you can have a tasting room or a cocktail bar or if you can do on-site bottle sales so okay uh the dc uh state government as we have here um you know, took a really progressive view on it and said, huh. absolutely. Like, you know, you, you know, we're federally licensed facilities. So the federal government permit allows us to actually make alcohol, but then yep. the local government uh, says what you can do with it. So yeah, we were living in like the best city in the country for it. So um, that really also like played a big role in us finally deciding, you know what, let's get like minorly serious and call a realtor, sure. see what happens. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we toured a bunch of warehouses and finally found the space we're in now in Ivy City. And, you know, from there it was sort of like, you know, the lease gets pushed across the table sort of thing. And that, so how did you do, um, and don't answer any of these questions you want to, but I'm fascinated by it. But like, so you go with like, okay, we want to do this. Did you use your savings? Did you run a credit card? Did you have a couple people throw you a couple nickels? Like, I don't even know how you do that part. Well, the answer is probably like, all of the above. Yeah. To some extent (laughs) it was all of the above. Um, the money, you know, we, we, basically what we spent prior to the big construction was enough that we could do, you know, do you ourselves. Do, yeah, yeah. Um, the construction was over a million dollars. So that's when we had to figure out how to raise money. Mm-hmm. We uh, ran a crowdfunding campaign. So we started with Indiegogo. We raised $120,000, huh. the largest crowdfunded distillery in the country. Um, and that sort of was the catalyst for us. From there, you know, we had a ton of press on it. And from mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, we had like more traditional investors show interest. We then put together an investment package. You know, I mean, it's been a lot of time on that. And that was kind of all I was doing for two years. Was, yeah. How'd you learn to do that? You just figured it out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally reading, you know, um, looked a lot at startup tech companies and what was happening in California and what kind of instruments they were using to raise money and, you know, what kind of business are we? I mean, are, there's not a lot of short-term gain in a distillery. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's a lot of upfront costs. I mean, you're literally, your inventory is in a barrel and you're waiting years for it to sure, right. be a value. But when it does hit, you know, there's some money to be made. So, yeah. you know, figuring out the right instrument for that. And then, um, and then. And you're I, trying to also, I assume, probably figuring out how to eat too. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean there's the, the there's is... the everything from today to, you know, 20 yeah. years from now. Yeah. All right. So talk to me about the uh, distillery now. Uh, yeah. um, you're in Ivy City, which is very cool, which to me, when I, I grew up in Washington, it used yeah. to just be the old Hackinger's building. Yeah. You would go and pick up your sofa because nobody delivered anything when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, that's literally all I knew about the area until you yeah. guys went in there. Um, it's super cool and hip. Yep. Um, do you have a restaurant too? No. No, no, no we're f- a cocktail bar up front and then production facility in the back. 
And so. what's the longer term plan here? They're going to be republic restoratives all over the country. That's or? that's the thought. We're uh, we're expanding as we speak into New York and California. Oh so. wow! Yeah. yeah When's exactly. the one when, when of the openings of those? Um, well, we are in uh, in New York already through the Wing, the female oh, sure. yeah, social yeah. club. Yeah, mm-hmm. our mutual friend, I think Giovanna mm-hmm. Lockhart is involved there, and she's been super helpful. So we're sort of the exclusive vodka bourbon rye at the Wing. Um, in New York, they're opening in California, San Francisco, LA this year. So, so will you go with them to those oh, yeah. places? Oh we'll yeah, we'll open? be there exactly. So, and then um, otherwise in New York, you know, slowly but surely building out a little book of good cocktail bars. So you start to start with like the influencers in the market, and then you expand. Right. Um, so what I want to know is, you did organizing for political campaigns, which, by the way, you still do a little bit of that yeah. stuff now. Um, you did organizing on the Hill. You've organized after kind of. Um, big historic events, tragedies, things like that, and now you're trying to figure out how to like organize your your bar team, your team that's you know figuring out how to make the 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 stuff. Because I suspect if you're if it's sitting there for ten years and it sucks when it comes out, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. so is there overlap on skill set, or is it really kind of a different universe? You know, it, there's so much overlap. There's way more than I thought. Um, you know, being a chief of staff on the hill, it is truly inch wide, mile deep, or excuse mm-hmm. me, yeah, uh, inch deep, mile wide, and that is the same dynamic here. I mean, I don't, I'm not a chemical engineer. I don't really know how to distill, mm-hmm. but I know how to organize a team and make sure the to-do list gets done. Sure. So that is hugely ap- applicable. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of overlap. I mean, you know, the days are strange. You know, this morning I had, you know, some some political conference calls, and then I had lunch with a bunch of lobbyists, and, and now we're here. And then this afternoon I have a meeting on um, inventory sure. uh, management yeah. at the facility. Right. You know right. what I mean? So it's right. a little scattered. Every, every day is like that. And then you just have to sort of, like, get comfortable with it. But, I mean, it's... So how much of your time now is on the distillery and how much is on the political stuff? Well, and we're, we're, I'd say uh, that we're a month out from a campaign. 45 days out. So yeah, that's, it's, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, political work right now, but it it averages out. I mean, the off year, you know, uh, besides marketing, there's not a ton going on. Mm -hmm. So I I can get it done. And the um, schedule at the distillery is really worth seven days, right? Production is Monday through Friday, but then we've got a pretty bustling bar. So there's a lot going on there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, can't say every day is like perfect, but um, I mean, it's not boring and I'm learning a ton. And, and so uh, I have, I've, um, what's it like doing business in D.C., right? I know that you mm-hmm. did uh, famously, you've named something after Mrs. Clinton mm-hmm. and gave it to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it feels like your by your background, your bar is political. Is that right or yeah. not? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we are... And, um, and is that good or bad? I mean, I guess that's kind of... Yeah, I mean, our, our feeling all along was, um, you know, we are super respectful of everybody. And anybody who wants to come, they should come if they're respectful mm-hmm. to, you know, us, broadly speaking. But from a marketing perspective, we're going to sort of be who we are. So... Um, and, you know, now that you see all these headlines about, like, millennials, you know, responding better to values-based marketing, sure. right? Sure. Um, which is just, like, people don't want to be talked to as strictly consumers. They want to be talked to, like, people in the whole way that they are. So we have, like, taken that on big time. Um, it's just it's more natural for us. It's all organic marketing to this point that's that's really uh, paid off for us. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not – you dig, you dig a little bit, you'll find out that we're pretty well-known Democrats and, and sure. whatnot. But, right. um you know, but that's not – I, I just kind of wondered if, if, if that wandered in. Okay, so here's another thing. In the environment now, we're in a Me Too movement where, as we're taping this, um, Judge Kavanaugh is in the middle of, you know, a pretty 
it has inflamed this conversation over again. Um, you're women-owned business. Yep. Is that good or bad for you, or is it different or not really? It's definitely different. Um, we were unique. I mean, we go to these conferences, and it's completely um, dominated by white men. It's. Um, I don't mean to break it to you, but most conferences. Most are probably most conferences <laughs> are on, on virtually any subject. That's true, but but like more than politics, <laughs> which is shocking, you know. Um, so we we recognize that, and we. Um, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, we haven't, like, experienced some horrible situations. I mean, thankfully, we've been really lucky. But people are just sort of like, wait, it's just, it's you guys that own it? And they sort yeah. of keep looking around for the, the guy. Yeah, yeah like, like no, where's, the, where's the white dude Where's the white dude with the money? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, it's us. Like, you know, so. Well, I, I, the reason I asked that question wasn't as loaded. I actually think, like, in some ways, there's a little bit of nice happenstance here. Yes. Right? Where uh, the, the, the wing didn't exist right. before. Right. right. And it has now existed in a way that's like, how can we take, you know, kind of female entrepreneurs and lift them? Yeah. Um, like you guys. So I just wonder if it's also like a nice, happy, if there's anything good that's coming out of this, I think like uh, empowering women to run their own businesses, to shop at their, wherever they want, to spend their money wherever they want, to build that kind yeah. of stuff. feels like you may be able to catch a little bit of that wave yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, people are excited about it. I mean, it's probably, you know, the thing the thing people are most excited about uh, us is that one, we're women-owned, and two, that we, a lot of our, our funding came from crowdfunding, from mm -hmm. crowdsourced. So people will come in and they feel like they sort of own a piece of the business because they invested $100. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. People should feel like that. I wish more businesses had the ability to kind of sure. have a community uh, brand to them. So that's that's been a lot of fun um all right so how much of the product do you just consume <laughs> so little <laughs> i mean besides like i had vodka at 9 30 a.m um at 190 proof like yeah. you know uh no i go home at night i'm like where's the nice red wine and, like oh. i do not want a <laughs> cocktail like, i can't be around do not it. want any more whiskey yet, oh so. that's really funny yeah yeah um well, uh, my friend, you are uh, a great DC story or a great story in general. Um, obviously, uh, uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and your team and everything else. But also, I think the story is really interesting. I think it's interesting to go from politics to advocacy. I mean, you know, if you knock off politics, guns, and booze, you're really, I mean, we're really <laughs> rock and roll. What's next, right? Um, so thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, um, And uh, talk to you soon. Okay. It's always fun to talk to Pia. Um, and next time you're in the mood for a drink, go check out Republic Restoratives over in Ivy City. Uh, and with that, I look forward to seeing you next time. The intersection of business and policy, right here at 14th and G.